It's Midday Magazine for Friday, December 1st. I'm Shelby Herbert. The official death toll from the Wrangell landslide has risen to five after a missing man was found dead yesterday in its debris. Alaska state troopers say volunteers and search dogs found the body of 65-year-old Otto Florschutz Thursday afternoon. Florschutz is the husband of Christina Florschutz, the November 20th landslide's sole survivor. She says she was upstairs in their home when the 500-foot-wide slide hit, trapping her overnight in the wreckage. Last year, Otto Florschutz ran as a Republican among dozens of candidates in the special election to replace the late Congressman Don Young. Florschutz joins four members of the Heller family found dead since the slide, adults Timothy and Beth Heller, along with children Beth, Mara, and Cara. Troopers say 12-year-old Derek Heller is the sole person still missing in the slide. The landslide that came down across Zimovia Highway in Wrangell just over a week ago, leaving five dead and one missing, effectively cut Wrangell in two. North of the slide, there's town. And south of the slide, at least 70 residents were cut off from power, internet, and their only road. As Anna Canny reports from Wrangell, in the week since, one man's retirement project became a lifeline for those families. Zimovia Highway snakes along the west coast of Wrangell Island for 14 miles, with steep mountain slopes on one side and the ocean on the other. Many of the houses out the road sit on the waterfront, but there are only a few docks. One is an unfinished retirement hobby for Charlie Hazel. It's just a fun project, and it's not in perfect shape, but it floats. Three years ago, he started building a long floating dock on his property. Battered by waves and weather, it needs constant attention. The concrete is cracked in places, and two segments are held together by fabric straps. Before the slide, his wife Mel didn't think it was worth all the effort. Now, she's changed her mind. It really, it's the lifeline to this whole end of the island. The landslide came down around the 11th mile of the highway leaving a 450-foot-wide swath of debris and cutting off power, internet, and the only road to town. The Hazels and about 70 other people were stranded. During that time, the Hazels' dock became the best way to get supplies in and people out. Their property became a makeshift hub for disaster relief. Joan Sargent was two doors down. She drove out to the site of the slide several times last week. Have you been to Hawaii and you've seen those huge lava... It flows across the road, and they're really deep. In the road, there was churned earth on the pavement, covered with downed trees. This is movable, but it's huge. And you can see it's three stories tall. Cell service out the road is spotty. So when the power and the internet went out, people had no idea what had happened. The way we learned about this was that the um, firemen came to the door at about midnight, and said they were evacuating. And just go to Charlie's place if you chose to evacuate. Search and rescue pulled up to Hazel's dock that night, and many families escaped to town from there. Just yesterday, the state finished clearing a path through the debris. But the road is damaged, and for now, it's only open for limited access. For a week, the homes that were cut off could only be reached by boat. Almost all of those boats. Fishing boats, forest service catamarans, tour boats. Came to Hazel's dock. We could bring in supplies and 
get the garbage out and get the empty fuel tanks out and then fresh fuel tanks in and and just the movement of people without the dock it would have been really really hard fuel was the most dire need most people relied on generators to keep their lights on their houses warm and their freezers frozen we had three gas runs yesterday and that's a lot of gas to be lugging around but all kinds of things made their way across the water Groceries, bottled water, pet food, even refreshments for Thanksgiving. There really is a lot of champagne. There is 40, 40 bottles. It's like, what the f- <laughs> That's Sylvia Edifa. The morning after the slide, she was quick to start organizing. She'd been making daily deliveries from morning until after dark. Edifa has lived out the road for nearly 30 years. There's a bunch of us who were out here before there was power out here. And so those of us who have been here have kind of been used to being very self-sufficient. But the scars of smaller slides are visible across the island. Charlie Hazel said the possibility of a larger slide was on his mind. It always has been. Because we, you know, the services out here are extremely limited. And, you know, it's kind of common sense that there's going to be a problem down the road. He says that's part of why he built the dock in the first place. For KSTK in Wrangell, I'm Anna Canny. The State Department of Transportation has made some progress in monitoring and mitigating possible future landslides in Wrangell. Shannon McCarthy, who's a spokesperson for the DOT, says they're working on placing a weather station near the slide zone with the help of the U.S. Forest Service. She says this data would be shared with the community. That would enable us to... um you know, ascertain, you know, whether you've gotten a ton of rain out that area or you're experiencing higher winds, that kind of thing. She says they're also working on a semi-permanent survey mechanism called a drone in a box. The drone is currently in Juneau. DOT is working with the power company to recharge the drone so they'll be able to launch it remotely. Once all the preparations are completed, DOT will be able to use the drone in Wrangell to monitor the slide area's stability and survey up and down Zimovia Highway. As for road maintenance, McCarthy says that DOT will have to wait for warmer and drier weather for some work, like repairing asphalt that was damaged in the slide. Right now, there's no asphalt plant in Wrangell, so the path to the area that where the asphalt was damaged would have to wait until, you know, the spring or summer to get that fixed up. And obviously, this is an area that we want to monitor frequently. Um, and that's why we are looking at, you know, bringing the drone in so that we can, we can take a look at the area every day. Maintenance crews are still clearing the slide zone debris on Zimovia Highway. DOT and Wrangell police are controlling traffic in the area. Residents south of the slide can pass through the zone during three scheduled 30-minute intervals per day. McCarthy says that within one to two weeks, traffic control will transition to a more normalized flow where people can drive across the slide area with increased hours during the day. Once the slope is further stabilized, DOT will have a better idea of how traffic control will work, whether it's with signage or with flaggers. The Federal Transit Administration announced yesterday that rural ferries in Alaska will receive about $132 million. The federal money comes from a ferry grant program funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. The Alaska Marine Highways fleet has started showing its age, and the state is struggling to keep the ship staffed. 
over the past year alone, there have been significant cuts to service. In an address yesterday announcing the new windfall, U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski said the funds represent, quote, a big fat deal for Alaskans who rely on the service. I grew up using the ferry system to get around southeast, and I know how important the Alaska Marine Highway system is to so many Alaskan families. By supporting operations across the state and replacing the Testamina serving southwest Alaska, we're helping connect coastal communities across our state. $92 million of the grant will contribute to a project to replace the Testamina, a passenger ferry connecting communities in southwest and south-central Alaska. The deteriorating vessel, known as the Rusty Testy, is almost 60 years old. Its replacement will be the state's first diesel-electric hybrid ferry. The state is required to match at least $23 million for this portion of the grant. But the remaining $38 million in funding does not require a match. That amount is earmarked for improving the Marine Highway's workforce and vessels, Senator Murkowski said the federal funding will help sustain ferry service to rural communities. And she said this is a critical opportunity to transform the crumbling system. To date, the 2021 bipartisan infrastructure law has brought a total of $716 million to support projects to revitalize the Alaska Marine Highway System. The Alaska Marine Highway Operations Board will meet today to discuss the ferry system's long-term operational budget, and they'll meet from 12.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. The public can access that meeting live by phone or by searching online for AMHOB. The number to call is 253-215-8782. Questions were posed, but not answered, in a well-attended listening session on the future of home health care in Sitka. The Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium closed its home health department on September 30th, leaving many carers and patients unsure about the consistency of in-home services in its absence. Search has said nothing will change, but no one from the consortium was present to address concerns. Meredith Reddick reports from Sitka. Hosted by the Sitka Women's Club, the listening session brought about 150 people to Centennial Hall to share stories about their experiences with home health care in Sitka and their questions about what comes next. Carolyn Fredrickson, a founding member of the Sitka Cancer Survivors Society, said home health services were invaluable when she was wheelchair-bound last year. Without home health coming to my home, I would have had to go to long-term care or be out of Sitka for the year. Um, I can't thank them enough for taking such wonderful care of me. Um, They helped me with my morale, with my well-being, And I looked forward to having them come into the home three times a week. Many others echoed sentiments of gratitude for the home health services offered in Sitka until the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH, announced the program would close at the end of September. SEARCH has maintained that the shift is largely administrative. In an August interview with KCAW, SEARCH Chief Medical Officer Elliot Brule said federal regulations made operating the home health department, quote, challenging and inefficient, but that patients would continue to receive identical services. I would kind of describe it like building a international airport in a location where what you really need is, you know, an airstrip. 
Many Sitkins, though, still have questions. Dr. Marilyn Caruzzi, a retired physician who practiced in Sitka for 15 years, wanted details. How can it be the same if we hear one nurse is available where we had three? How is it going to be um, the same without much more support and commitment by search? How is it going to be the same? Give me the details if somebody's dying at home. Who is going to pronounce the patient? Who is going to do the doctor's orders for pain management? Search representatives were invited to attend the event but declined by email. They also asked that flyers publicizing the event on Sitka's search campus be removed. Karuzzi and several other speakers said they were disappointed search did not attend. I'm terribly disappointed that uh, search declined to be here. Usually when I make a decision, I feel good about it, and I want to explain to those who don't understand how I came to it. Um, I do have specific questions from search beyond their recurring ad that says it's all going to be the same. Some speakers said they were interested in pursuing other avenues to share their concerns, including attending a search board meeting, writing a letter to the Sitka Assembly, and contacting U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski. Community member Linda Waller suggested responding to Search's newspaper ads, which say, quote, There has not been any reduction or gap in Search's home-based services with another ad. Perhaps since Search likes to uh, communicate with their ads, why don't we take out an ad? Would that be a good way to communicate with Search? Half page, full page in the paper with bullet points? <laughs> Organizers said they were pleased with attendance at the event and that questions and comments will be compiled and sent to search. Search did not respond to requests for comment by phone or email by press time Thursday. In Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. A federal report released in mid-November outlined the severe impacts of climate change on Alaska, from the loss of traditional foods and cultural practices to the huge rural infrastructure costs to come from thawing permafrost. Allison Crimmins is the climate scientist who led the fifth national climate assessment. She says that rapid warming will make these problems worse, especially for communities already facing other social and economic problems. But Crimin says it's not too late to take action. But the flip side of that coin is true as well. It means that every degree or every tenth of a degree of warming we avoid matters. And we are seeing communities taking action all across the U.S. to avoid warming and build climate resilience. Climate adaptation strategies are well underway in Alaska. Many communities are completing risk assessments to understand how climate change is affecting them. Local renewable energy projects help stabilize energy systems, and community-supported gardens and produce boxes are improving food security off the road system. Alyssa Quinton with the Alaska Center co-authored the report on Alaska. She says it's exciting to see communities working together to address climate change. Any sort of community-led initiative of people coming together and solving these problems, that is all what I'm about, 100%. That's what I'm talking about, and that really excites me because that's what we need to do. Climate adaptation will be a long road for Alaska, and National Climate 
Assessment authors like Quinton hope the report serves as a guide to understanding the risks and strategies. You can read more about the assessment at nca2023.globalchange.gov. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert. (laughs) 